0: He tēnei nā te Reo Irirangi o Mr. Speaker, I'm excited to introduce uh, the Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media Bill today. The creation of this new entity will strengthen the delivery of New Zealand's public media services for future generations. That is our key objective, uh, that public media in Aotearoa New Zealand is strong and that it endures.
1: That was the recently appointed Minister of Broadcasting and Media, Willie Jackson, in Parliament last Thursday for the first reading of the Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media Bill, legislation setting out how the government's new public media entity will work, and it really has to work. If the bill passes, Altéroa New Zealand Public Media will replace state-owned RNZ and TVNZ next year, and the government's committed more than $300 million to part-fund it already. So why are they doing this? Well, most nations have long-established joined-up public broadcasters operating on radio and television, and in recent times, online as well, offering a pretty comprehensive and consistent public service to their citizens. But not here in New Zealand. Thanks to decisions taken more than 30 years ago, we've ended up with a fully publicly funded but small radio broadcaster in RNZ and a publicly owned but highly commercial TV company in TVNZ. Both are making their own multimedia digital content as well and running their own online platforms for news, culture and entertainment. The new Minister of Broadcasting on Thursday also went on to say that the rise of online misinformation was another reason to boost public media to provide more reliable and accurate news. But like other Labour-led interventions in broadcasting this millennium, this one is being actively resisted by political rivals. In Parliament last Thursday, the National Party Broadcasting and Media spokesperson, Melissa Lee, said setting up Aotearoa New Zealand public media as an autonomous crown entity made it susceptible to political influence. What an autonomous
0: crown entity actually means is that, I quote, it has to give regard
1: to government policy when directed by the responsible minister. If that is the case... How will the public trust this new entity to be a step removed from government policy or the dictation by the ministers to do whatever they actually want the media to actually do? Melissa Lee is a member of the Parliamentary Select Committee that will scrutinise this bill, and last week the same committee also published the long-overdue report from its inquiry into the review of the Radio New Zealand Charter. Now in that, the National Party members of that committee said they feared that the new public media entity to come may mean the loss of the much-loved RNZ brand and character. But the National Party's Judith Collins, who's also on that committee, had little love for RNZ when she told Parliament last Thursday that government-funded media should blame themselves for a slump in public trust. That is actually a damning indictment on the fact that mainstream media has lost a lot of credibility, and particularly uh, during the last few years. um, It has been incumbent on social media to provide alternative views, However, lately, it's not just opposition politicians who have been airing their suspicions about publicly funded media. But there remains deep suspicion from many over just how balanced too much of the fourth estate is or isn't. The $55 million journalism fund hasn't helped. A report already done into that raised a fair number of questions. So as these two major players are joined together in a not-for-profit, heavily publicly funded sort of way, you are quite right to ask, whether they will be increasingly expected to be beyond reproach when it comes to the old no fear, no favour. That was Mike Hosking on his breakfast show on News Talk ZB last Monday. There, Mike Hosking referred to a report raising questions about the Public Interest Journalism Fund, the government initiative that puts $55 million over three years into journalism jobs and training at a range of media outlets. Last year, the consultancy company Sapira did conclude there was no strong case for public funding of content in commercial media and the consultants themselves didn't conclude that public funding of public interest journalism had created any pro-government bias or made our media more compliant. Now, the Public Interest Journalism Fund was the work of previous Broadcasting Minister Chris Farfoy, who committed himself to helping out struggling commercial news media as soon as he got the job in late 2018 following year, the planning for the new public media entity got underway behind closed doors. It now falls to Willie Jackson to promote and defend the government's big media plans. In last week's select committee hearing, he told his National Party counterpart Melissa Lee he has no problem with debating in the media.
0: I really uh, embrace people who want to have a debate. And I've spent my life debating people on radio and, and TV.
1: And over the years, on and off the air, Willie Jackson has certainly clashed with people and agencies he'll now have to get along with as the minister in charge. Just five years ago, Willie Jackson was still a daily talkback host at the MediaWorks' former talk network Radio Live. Willie Jackson and Alison Moore.
0: As you know, with Robertson, he's done his time, you know, and they have the strong factions within that party. And if it's ever going to be his time, it's got to be now,
1: doesn't it? His talkback career survived a suspension in 2013, after which his co-host John Tamaheri was sacked over a now-notorious interview with a young woman who'd encountered teenage sexual predators who called themselves the Roastbusters. <clears throat> how, how free and easy are you kids these days out there? Like, you were 14, yeah?
0: 15, yeah,
1: I think I was about 15.
0: 15 when you, when you first had sex?
1: Oh, no. Oh advertisers started pulling out of Radio Live and, awkwardly, Willie Jackson ejected a frequent guest on the show for criticising them. Shut we, your mouth
0: or you'll, a, be, you'll be out of the studio good, I'm, out of here, right, out I'm out of here. Get out then. I'm out of here. Get out. No.
1: All right. Nighttime talk on Radio hey, Live. Now, Matthew Hooton was also a regular guest in earlier years on Willie Jackson's publicly funded TVNZ Maori issues show Eye to Eye, where discussions could get a bit eye for an eye. He said that I was a cheat, a liar and a fraud. Well, you are. And he's well, going to be sued, sure sued for that because I'm oh, go not going to yeah, get sure away you. with that. Willie Jackson was a bit of a bystander there back in 2008 when Matthew Houghton and Winston Peters traded insults that made TBNZ's lawyers more than a little nervous. But on that show, Willie Jackson aired plenty of his own opinions as well. Willie Jackson was also unafraid of taking on fellow broadcasters on Radio Water. In 2015, Willie Jackson claimed journalists Mihinarangi Forbes and Annabel Lee Mava had leaked information about Māori television to, in Willie's words, Pākehā reporters after the pair left the broadcaster the year before. The Broadcasting Standards Authority eventually upheld the complaint against him for that and said that the response to the complaint showed a lack of understanding of broadcasting standards. Because while broadcasters usually just cop it when they get pinged by the official watchdog, Radio Wata claimed the BSA is less effective for addressing Māori issues, and Willie Jackson did the same.
0: So how does the current media laws protect Māori news views and stories, and how will Māori ensure protection under current standards online?
1: Now at that time, Willie Jackson was also the chief executive of Wāatea's owner, the Manuka Urban Māori Authority, which had earlier supplied Wāatea news bulletins to RNZ for years. And when RNZ ended its contract for those back in 2011, citing budget cuts and the desire to build its own Māori news capability, Willie Jackson called RNZ a disgrace.
0: They got rid of Māori language news, they got rid of mana news, they got rid of Wāatea news, then they got rid of their own news and now all we have is we're reliant on Pākehā announcers, because there's no Māori on the front line.
1: Five years later, as chair of the iwi radio network group Te he compiled an audit of RNZ's output claiming Māori content made up only 1% of it. Now, this wasn't a sound survey, it only harvested audio and news available online, and it missed, for example, two Te Ahi Ka documentaries made in Northland by Media Watch's own Jeremy Rose, who ended up in the middle of a spirited debate on Media Watch at the time between Willie Jackson and Carol Hirschfeld, then RNZ's Head of News and RNZ's most senior Māori executive.
0: I'm not interested in whether Jeremy, with respect, Jeremy uh, learns Maori or not. <laughs> Jeremy, you can go jump in the lake. You know, you, you know, go and learn Maori somewhere else. Don't learn it on my. Don't learn it on my taxpayers' dollars. You kicked the language off the air I five years ago. Again, I please. want to hear our language. On the year, I don't want to educate Jeremy and your Pakia journalists here with regards why to Toreo. It's not my you? responsibility. Why Carol. wouldn't you?
1: Now, at that time, RNZ did accept it had little Māori journalism and few Māori staff, and it followed up with a strategy signalling a long-term commitment to Māori news journalism and Toreo soon after. Another significant media role Willie Jackson held at that time was on Te Paho, which represented stakeholders in Māori television. In 2016, he was also appointed to the body that took over that responsibility, Tamatāwai, giving iwi more say in Māori language initiatives. And at the time, Labour MP Pini Henare complained that Willie Jackson's roles in the media could create conflicts of interest, but not according to Willie Jackson, who said the claims were a waste of time. Willie Jackson also told Māori TV there, tell Pini to focus on his own job because many people want his seat. Now just one year later, both of them were MPs in the new Labour-led government, which required Willie Jackson to relinquish his Māori media roles, but not his opinions about Māori broadcasting. As Associate Māori Development Minister, Willie Jackson came out strongly against Larry Parr, the chief executive of the Māori broadcasting funding agency Te Paho when he floated a one-stop shop for Māori broadcast news back in 2018. I'm not sure if he remembers the history, and I'm not sure if he knows
0: what he's doing, actually. Uh, I'm on record of saying hang on, how come Pakia got all the uh, news bulletins and Māori always have to rationalise
1: that? And that got awkward when a Māori media review fired up by Māori Development Minister at the time, Nanaia Mahuta, backed that idea of centralising Māori news production, training and funding. Now after the 2020 election, Willie Jackson became the Minister of Māori Development himself, scrapping his predecessor's plan and appointing a brand new group of media advisers to start again. And back in March, he told Radio Waatea he'd resign if the merger of RNZ and TVNZ didn't also benefit Māori. We want
0: to see our people, hear our people in mainstream, uh, and that shouldn't take anything away from what we do in terms of a Māori sense, in terms of Māori TV and Māori radio. This is going to be an and-and, not a public media and see you later Māori broadcasting. I'd resign if that was the case, because I I didn't support a public media structure for the death of
1: Māori broadcasting. That's just nonsense. Now in the past, public broadcasting and Māori media have overlapped but developed separately with parallel authority, funding and accountability, in part to ensure that Māori media remains independent and autonomous. But now Willie Jackson's the minister overseeing both the funding of Māori media and the creation of the new public media entity. So how will the two jobs dovetail? This week I asked Willie Jackson. But first, what will Aotearoa New Zealand public media deliver that RNZ and TVNZ today cannot
0: and uh, RNZ's been terrific through the years. Of course, I've been a critic of different aspects of it. Uh, but, you know, there's groups who are missing out. We want to attract, obviously, more Māori, Pacifica, Asians, youth. And, and I think that uh, a new entity could perhaps do that. I certainly and always have believed in the type of model that we're envisaging. You know, I know there's sceptics. Funny enough, mate, I, uh, I ran into a former Broadcasting minister, I won't say what party or who, and um, he wasn't too uh, um, optimistic about it in terms of the uh, you know the different you know the different drivers. I suppose national radio has uh, you know non-commercial and TVNZ has commercial, and he said to me, "Oh no, I don't think it'll work."
1: Is there anything in this legislation that actually protects one culture, swamping the other? Sure, sure.
0: You know, there, there's a bit to worry about. I mean, as I, I, but I said to the minister, this former minister, do you believe in it? Do you believe in the principle? He said, absolutely. I think you need the right type of leadership. I, I think you need a, a cultural change. I want Maori listening. To national radio, I, I'm probably one of the only Maori I know who, you know, and I know a lot of people. There's very few who listen to national radio. I want more Pacifica listening. This, I want Asians listening. I, oh, I want no, we, young we people. We can we
1: can talk about that, but that yeah. specific issue of having this is a public service, yeah, right. not for profit thing, yeah. but it's going to have commercial revenue. Yeah, that's right. The big thing, as soon as it was announced, this possibility of, as it was called, a merger. The the fact that you had a highly commercial television company, that's going to sure. be the bigger partner of this thing. Is it protected in the legislation? Because well, I can't kind of see it. It explicitly well, says RNZs non-commercial. Yeah, but it doesn't reference TVNZs so we've, commercial
0: So we've got a committee. You know, it's going to go into committee stage. There's going to be a lot of things. So the law out. might change. Yeah. Well, I think a number of things might change. I mean, I read our great mate Gavin Ellis' scepticism last night. I thought, yeah. geez, Gavin, you won't be going on stab- on the on the board. But uh, you know. No, he might. Who knows? <laughs> but but I don't know. But, you know, this is one of the... No, to be fair to him, he's, a, he's been quite an advocate for this, but he's got all this scepticism about independence and, uh, you know, the commercial... You know, what are they going to do to protect the commercial side? I think that once you get your board in place, they'll work it all out. It's the establishment board also will work, will work things out. Yes, we've, it's already covered in the Broadcasting Act in terms of editorial independence, and we'll strengthen that up, no doubt, because editorial independence is everything. New Zealand has got nothing to worry about. I, I, I think that the new entity is, is exciting, but it's not going to be an easy road. I, I don't, look, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Gavin at all. He's a, you know, he's a supporter. But we're not going to get every single thing right.
1: Yeah, what yeah. he was pointing out in his piece, I think, yeah. was here we have, you know, we've been told that this thing is going to be more than just yeah. a merger of two yeah. existing yeah. brokers yeah. This yeah. is a new entity. Yeah. He's saying this legislation looks very much like just a merger. The rest of it's still to come from yeah. the management yeah. we don't yeah. even know, yeah. uh,
0: um, again, that'll be in consultation with everything else. There will be no editorial stranglehold or whatever. He shouldn't worry about that, you know. The entity is set up like our other entities are set up. Why do we have to set up that entity like that? Because we've got considerable taxpayers' money going into it. So to make it an int- what he wanted was an independent entity, you can't be doing that if you're putting a couple of hundred million a year into, into an e- entity and go, well, you know, where you go, just do it. You've got to set it up like we've got uh, Toda you know, like we've got Tamangai Pāho, like we've got New Zealand On Air. And those entities have no problems criticising this government. Yeah, but, uh, though, they, no, no, but those on, are broadcasting
1: had, agencies whose boards are appointed by the government for, The government's yeah, broadcasting yeah, funding but, agencies. And, and these, and these are This is supposed to be an independent no, media well, outlet.
0: Well, no, they're independent. The, the ministers have all, always have to come back through APH and come back through Cabinet. This is not one one person who does, makes a decision. Even with my Maori appointments, I will be working in consultation with um, uh, my, my associate minister, Mr Mahuta. Um, Minister of Finance, Māori caucus, even though it might look like, oh, the minister can do it, I wouldn't be so arrogant to go down that track, Colin.
1: You yourself, you're Minister of Māori Development as well as Minister of Broadcasting. That's a first. Look, in the past, Māori media have developed pretty much separately, separate uh, lines of authority to protect their autonomy. Now you're the minister of both. Is this going to change as the public media outlet develops?
0: Absolutely. And I think that was one of the worst things about Māori broadcasting and we should be looking to utilise um, our resources. We should be looking at utilising a talent. Um, there's so much that Māori broadcasting can bring to um, mainstream broadcasting without having, you know, it's not about you becoming fluent in the language or being some expert on the treaty, not at all. It's about um, influencing and, and perhaps giving... Pākea broadcasters, perhaps a, a wider perspective, a, the, the mainstream audience, a better perspective. You know, last week, Colin, we saw one of the most wonderful examples of what I've always wanted, which was matariki, you know, and the way that it impacted this nation. So, uh, is,
1: in essence, you are expecting more Māori programming on mainstream. Yeah. As we, if, if we're going to call it that. Do you know uh, how
0: much Māori programming is on there now? Do you know how much is on your national radio now?
1: Couldn't give you numbers, no. no. no but but I'm, pr-
0: I'm pretty good at numbers, as, okay. you, as you guys remember. Mm-hmm. I, I did an audit on you guys uh, yeah, we'll, a few we'll years ago. We'll talk about that in a
1: minute. But in terms of this legislation, let's look at it another way. So the legislation does say that the Board of Aotearoa Public, yeah. New Zealand Public Media, sure. must have two members who are yeah. Māori and yeah. have tikanga yeah. expertise, te reo expertise, yes. What difference is that going to make specifically in terms of what people get at home from this new public on entity? the board?
0: Well, that's going to—they're going to get a Maori. At least they'll have a couple of people who know the Maori world uh, implicitly, know it really well. We've had too many boards in this country, whether it was national picking them or labour, where we've had so few Maori on it.
1: So you'll uh, be picking these members? the two Maori one. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I, I I will be picking the two Maori one, but obviously in. Uh, um, consultation with uh, with my teams.
1: You so know? one of them highly likely to be, say, Dr. Jim May, the former chief executive of well, Jim, Fakata Māori and currently Jim is probably going to be
0: right up there in terms of a possibility. But um, while I, as I you know, this uh, nonsense that, oh, it would be just Willie Jackson, why would it be just me? Do you think I have an associate? Do you think I have a minister of finance? It's like the board. Do you really think I could pick the board on my own? Oh, look, this is not the National Party, Colin. Sure, but this is this, you know, was this, was, a, this, was, this is about fairness okay. and process.
1: No, I'm not saying it's a party <laughs> political issue at all. But <laughs> yeah. the, the cabinet paper okay. for for this going back to 2020. We'll fix it, set, set this out. We'll so. fi- no,
0: column we will fix that. Okay, I'm sure it'll all be fixed. You know, that's why we have a committee. Pro- like like sometimes things are in writing. It might be specific, but I I don't. I just always think that that um, common sense should prevail, mm-hmm. right? Sure.
1: Don't you think? You've got to to have a view on this. I mean, you're part of the entity. Well, sure, but what I'm interested in is how that might change the services that people get. Okay, um, well, it might change... What the new public media entity... Oh, well, that's a a good question.
0: Well, at at the moment, you don't have a a strong Mori view... A, pers- a, a strong Maori per- perspective that comes
1: through, mm-hmm. right? Yes. I mean, the, the cabinet paper way back at the start of this says, you know, the new entity has a critical role in promoting Maori interests, Maori Maori culture, protecting uh, Te Reo Maori as a taonga. So this stuff wasn't there before. It's in the new legislation. You're also going to have, like, as we know from just this public interest journalism fund, yes. which is a relatively small part of it, mm. it's created all this noise. Opponents saying, ah, look, you know, that's the government creating media content which promotes partnership and teitiriti principles and, you know, a truly free, uh, editorially free broadcaster shouldn't adhere to these conditions. Mm. All these arguments are going to come up again, aren't they, as Mm. this legislation goes through Parliament?
0: Well, that's not an editorial restriction. Editors will make their own decisions, but we have to make decisions as as a government. And we want to see, um, particularly a public broadcaster, adhere to what's, been in, what's in place in society. We're not, I, we're not at all saying everybody... Ha- I mean, I would never ask that everyone be ex- experts on the treaty or speak Māori or, or anything like that. All we're saying is let's have, uh, as, as the treaty partner, let, let's acknowledge that and at least have a couple of people on, there at board level. And my hope, of course, is that there'll be a flow-on, that there'll be Māori managers, there'll be Māori programmes um, a, in prime time. You know, that's that's one's hope. We haven't had that for many years, uh, Colin.
1: So the Māori Media Sector Shift Review, that got underway in 2018 under your predecessor uh, as Māori Development Minister. We um, still haven't seen it. Is it? What's happened? So it's, all,
0: it's all done, and uh, it's in front of officials right now, and you'll get it before the end of August. So um, is
1: there going to be a big strategic change for, for Māori media?
0: Yes, it is. I had my own views uh, on the uh, Māori media as you well know, mm-hmm. and you would, you would have heard those. And in yes. fact, I'm sure you've played those, Colin. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that is a, 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 quite a shift, and it's a, a shift that will be positive for mainstream media. We want mainstream to recognise some of the fabulous work in in terms of Māori media. Maori, is uh, Māori
1: media going to be organised in a different way for Kaata Māori, Māori Television, Te Whakaruruho, uh, 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 and the, and the yeah, radio uh, groups? Uh, I think What's going to change?
0: Uh, uh, yeah, there will be some changes there, and I don't want... You know, you'll see it all... Um, before the end of August, because it's got to go through cabinet too. So uh, yeah, no, no, you're right to point out it was uh, it started in two eighteen, but then you had a new minister, didn't you? And the new minister had different ideas, as you well know.
1: So you got a clearly a different view from your predecessor I think, as minister, yeah. But also for your predecessor as Broadcasting Minister Chris Farfoy. He decided on getting the job that supporting media broadly was pretty important. He was worried about plurality. And so the Public Interest Journalism Fund, for $55 million, that's gone out to a range of media companies that haven't had public funding before. Yeah, Got a lot of political blowback from people who think that's a way of buying compliance from the media, that uh, the, the, the media won't bite the government hand that's feeding them. Mm-hmm. That runs out in 2023... Is it going to carry on under uh, your minister? One of the
0: groups we we um, I think they gave funding to was Annabelle uh, Lee and Me Forbes who were running um, uh, training in terms of um, Maori broadcasters. Do you ever think they'd cut us any slack? Oh, no, not... You'll recall they put me in front of the Broadcasting Standards Authority uh, a few years ago.
1: That's nothing I'm concerned about, but is it going to continue? So so that's not on the books at the moment, but it's, it's
0: done terrific in terms of uh, supporting communities have been affected in terms of what's happening with the media, you know?
1: Do you believe privately owned media companies, not public media, do need that kind of assistance? Do you think they're still vulnerable in the way your predecessors seem to think? And that yeah, was one I, I think the if
0: they're doing public interest journalism, then i have no problem supporting going down that track. And I, uh, and I, I don't think for one moment that they're spokespeople for the government, you know? You keep quoting the the critics. They, they're critics of you. They think you're oh, all just because <laughs> they think they might be influencing
1: the government. <laughs> they think it, you're
0: you know... all you know, they think you're all lefties. You know this sort of nonsense that comes in. Oh, no, uh... I'm familiar with it, but I wonder whether it will
1: have an influence on the <laughs> yeah, government.
0: no, no. Well, because I think you have to give um, media the opportunity, and uh, I don't ask for any favours other than fairness.
1: Hey, mm-hmm. back in 2020, RNZ ran into a big problem when. They wanted to use resources currently devoted to RNZ Concert to create a new youth network, specifically in part to attract the underserved audience that RNZ doesn't really get uh, at the moment. Younger people, Māori, Pacifica, uh, urban Auckland, for example. That ran into trouble because the backers of RNZ Concert, who enjoyed that service and had done for many years, wanted to make sure it was retained. The youth service has not happened. Do you want Aotearoa New Zealand public media to do this post-2023?
0: Well, of course, I'm not the person who'll make the decisions, so I'll will always leave that to the board, development board, or the board to, to make those types of decisions, it's not for me to tell them what to do. Seems a logical way to go, though. Particularly, well, Why isn't it in the
1: law, then? Shouldn't it be uh, in the legislation uh, 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 that, that that such an entity is created for the specific purpose? Why isn't it there?
0: But... Just coming back, I do think it's a logical way to go. There's a process or a natural way to go, given that youth audience and what it's missing out on. So this is not perfect law, but, but you know, we want to get in, sit down with the experts, the critics, and our people will, will nut this out. If we get it right, you know, who knows? We might be able to get our own... Uh, uh, set up like Ireland, like Britain, like Australia, you know, it's, uh, it could be a, a, an opportunity of a lifetime and um, I'm determined to shepherd it through.
1: Okay, so to do that, as you say, you have to sit down with, with critics and colleagues yeah, and so sure. on. Now in the past, uh, when you weren't the minister, of course you were an advocate for Māori broadcasting, but you've rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way, you've called organisations out. Now you're a minister, you are going to have to do things a bit differently or is it going to be hard to resist the urge to to force broadcasters <clears> to <throat> do things I'm that you I'm not think, going to change
0: today. my style one little bit Colin uh, You know my style is one of being clear and being up front uh, and uh, I like to be co- uh, respectful believe it or not and conciliatory with people that's how I generally like to, to operate you know I, 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 I enjoy um, debate I enjoy talking with people a lot and uh, that's generally and you can ask the Julian Wilcox who he worked for me for years uh, and, and others who've been asked a lot of people I've had you know, a lot of people, hundreds worked for me through the years. But sometimes you have to go to war. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to challenge.
1: Well, you mentioned that audit where you compiled, you analysed RNZ's That's output. Right. You said, look, there's not
0: enough.
1: 1.1%. You uh, guys came back,
0: you said I was wrong, and you said it was 2%. Well, what was interesting so was, you that were, was that after that...
1: I was 1% out. After that, uh, you know, RNZ did launch a Māori strategy. What was interesting about that was your response. I mean, you said, look... Amy Adams, the broadcasting minister at the time, should lean on RNZ's board and make sure they do more. This isn't good enough. You know, said they've got a colonialist mindset, need to change. She should be talking to the board of RNZ and forcing change. Now, mm. that's an interesting attitude to authority that you want to well, get a minister to we, lean on. I mean, you wouldn't want anyone now coming to you and well, no, telling no, you to yeah, RNZ no, board No, I wouldn't mind at all,
0: because if you're an advocate, you only get change in if you challenge... Uh, um, uh, ministers, or you change government. I've been an advocate m- most of my working life, not just for Maori, but for working class people, Parkour people. I was a union official for seventeen years. I was in a different role there yeah, yeah, and, sure. and of course, uh, when when you're doing that role, if you're ever you do anything and everything you can to get to get change, you know. Um, I didn't think I was going to be the broadcasting minister one day, uh, and now I'm the broadcasting minister. I, I would welcome challenges to me, um, and as but but you ask me about style, my style. I won't change. Uh, your, your CEO who I talked to earlier is someone who I challenged uh, and I told him National Radio wasn't doing the job. You don't have any Maori presenters in, in, in your prime time hours. You haven't had them for 100 years. You need to make some change. He has tried that's all I ask in the end, and uh, he's a good man, and him and I got an MOU going with Ewe Radio. You challenge, and then you try and work constructively with the system. Uh, please don't make out I'm at war. Oh, and, no, and, no, sure, and, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, that, this is part, of, I'll do that a small amount of the time, but most of the time I want to work constructively and build and, and get our partnership and our relationships right. That's uh, I'm driven by a sense of justice and equity, you know, and not just for Māori, for people right across the spectrum, Pākehā, Pacifica. Uh, as I said, I enjoy Matariki so much, you know, it it shows that Maori can work in in our community. But I don't want to ram Maori stuff down people's throats. So uh, you know, it's it's wonderful. Can I just add, hearing all the different parkour people giving Maori a crack on national radio? Well done, Paul and national radio in terms of that. I really congratulate them. Still got a few challenges though. We still got to get the the actual challenge was about Maori programming Mm. and Maori staff. We're not there yet. National Radio has already admitted that in their charter. Fine, let's try and work constructively so we can so we can change that.
1: But does RNZ need to be receptive to the people who are been alienated by it? I mean, we know if people write in, you know, some people don't like hearing little bits and pieces of the language, let alone if RNZ is experiencing uh, parts of its audience saying, we don't actually like this, there are separate Māori media where yeah. people can hear te reo, what do you want the broadcaster to, to do about that? Aotearoa New Zealand public media from 2023?
0: Ignore them. Because, uh, you know, the reality is this is a changing New Zealand. This is a changing New Zealand. And more and more Kiwis are getting on this. Well, uh, and I think that's great. Our culture, our language is for everyone. And uh, they'll never change some of those people, but look at these young Kiwis, young Parkia kids who embrace the language, the culture, the haka. I think it's fabulous. Look at look at what ha- what's happens with the All Blacks and the and the haka. Look at what Matariki's doing. I think the framework's in place with with this entity. You know, despite the you will recall the scrap that I had with my old mate Carol Hirschfeld, who used to be my TV producer, might I add, and and, and the challenges I put uh, put to Paul Thompson, we were able to at least get a framework in place. Uh, for this entity going forward. And when I hear Hippakia announces Guy um, Guy and Corin and Susie and them saying I'mtawa and you know, uh Mihi koto I, I think it's I think it's wonderful, you know. And you've got to remember that when they use the Māori language it's what? One be lucky if it's one percent of their total language on national radio. Why is that so offensive? If people are offended by that, you can't do nothing about it. Would pay to ignore them, get on with the job, which uh, in general, uh, the station continues to do really well.
1: Uh, You mentioned young Kiwis. Your own son is in the media himself, (laughs) isn't he? He's a TV producer. Uh, Has he chosen a good career?
0: I was trying to get him to think about politics, to tell you the truth. But uh, he says, Dad, I love this uh, uh, TV. And really, he's been brought up in media. He was with me from when he was very young and... uh, you know, I'm really proud of the work he's doing. He had Sonny Bill on his show the other day, and I thought it was a fair... Fe- turned
1: the tables God. on him and asked him about his own. That's right, but, but, <laughs> but you know,
0: you've know, got to relax these people up. you got to free them up. He told me Sonny came in, and he was very standoffish, and, and my, my son showed him a, a photo of his, his first child and his, his partner, his wife, and... and uh, Sonny sort of just embraced it or relaxed them. got the interview of uh, one of the greatest interviews Sonny's ever had, according to everyone. i like him to think about politics, but I, don't, I ain't got much chance of that, I don't think, Colin.
1: That was Willie Jackson, the Minister of Broadcasting and Media, and the Minister of Māori Development, who this week introduced the bill to create Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media, the new entity to replace RNZ and TVNZ next year.